Yeah, well, good morning, everybody. So glad to have you guys today on this special Back to School Prayer Sunday. We're going to be praying here in a moment. We're going to have students stand up and come up in different groups, and we're going to pray over you right up front here, and then we're going to uh, finish praying over our teachers, administrators, coaches, professors as well. So thank you for being here today. This is always one of my favorite uh, days of the year. But I want to begin uh, with a message uh, that uh, I heard, I was praying about this Sunday, and I met, I, I heard this message from Steve Murrow, our president of Every Nation, the family of churches we're a part of. He was at a Victory staff meeting, which is our church in the Philippines that I was preaching at just a few months ago. Um, and he shared this passage from uh, John chapter 8. And it impacted me so much, I, I texted him and said, I'm going to rip this sermon from you, and I'm not going to apologize for it. And he said, please do. Uh, and so I, I just want to say, uh, no th- this is, thank you, Steve Merle. All right, check this out. John chapter 8, let's look at verse 2. John chapter 8, verse 2. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes, the Pharisees, brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, placing her in the midst. And they said, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him so that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Father, we invite you to come by your Holy Spirit and teach us today. For you are the greatest of teachers. And I pray that the words of man would not remain, but your word would stand in our hearts. And everybody said? Amen. You know, uh, Jesus, when he came... He came to save sinners. Do you believe that? Matter of fact, he came to deal with sin, and he came to deal with sinners. Scripture tells us that Jesus didn't come into the world to, for, the, for those that are healthy or well. He came to save and rescue those that are sick. And here's the thing about sinners. Raise your hand if you know a sinner. Raise your hand if you're sitting next to one right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's too high for some of you married couples. Like... Sign up for poor in your marriage, all right? Uh, how many of you know that we live in a world filled with sin? And not only do we live in a world filled with sin that brings death, we live in a world filled with sinners. So whether we go to school or whether we go to work or whether we go to church or whether we walk into a room alone, we're surrounded by sinners. And the reality of it is Jesus came to deal with sin and deal with sinners. That's one of the reasons he came. And so when we look at the world that we're going into, whether it's school or work, whether you're a teacher and you're going back into the classroom, what do we do with the sin and the sinners that are all around us? 
How do we deal with our own stuff? How do we deal with the stuff of the people around us? And I think Jesus, here in John chapter 8, we learn something that we can take with us into this year that I think is so vital. Now, let me just say this. I have to just point out that John chapter 8, if you look in your Bible, there's some asterisks around it. In John chapter 8, 1 through 11, most, most scholars, biblical scholars, believe this is a legitimate story from Jesus. This is a legitimate encounter. Matter of fact, when we look at all the other encounters Jesus has, it lines up in character and nature and in story totally with everything else. But most scholars believe this was misplaced, that this probably shouldn't be here in this spot in John. And the earliest of manuscripts in our Bibles, this story was missing. But then it comes to find out in other manuscripts. So we're not going to dive into that now, but here's what we need to know. This is a legitimate story from Jesus, a legitimate encounter he had with a woman who was in deep trouble. And what we learn from this encounter, I think, can create and help create within us a grid to go into this next year, to go to school, to go to work, to go to the places that God's called us to. Because everybody deals with sin and sinners differently, and there's a different result. Matter of fact, the religious deal with it in a certain way, the world deals with it a certain way, and all of that is different than the way Jesus deals with it. So first, let's take a look from this story about how religion deals with it. The religious leaders of the day in, in uh, this story, in John chapter 8, Jesus is being trapped by them. They said that he, they are trying to trap Jesus, and they are bringing this woman before him because they want to catch him in a trap. And here's what's interesting. When they're dealing with this woman's sin and sin in general, sin, when it's dealt with by religion, is selectively ignored. What do I mean by that? It means this, that in the act that this woman was caught, the sin she was caught in, there was another party to that act. Where are they? There was the, the, the other party, the other man that was caught up into this act of sin is not present. He's not brought before Jesus. He's not dealt with. So the big sin isn't all of the sin. It's just a part of it. It's just one person's sin. So sin is selectively ignored with the religious. Matter of fact, religious leaders have done this and Jesus reserved his harshest words sometimes for the religious leaders. Why? Because they would wink at certain sins and make other sins a huge deal. This sin is really bad. This sin is not as bad. And this is what religion oftentimes can do. And those that are religious, they weigh sins. This is a little white sin. This is a, a, a really bad sin. And yet, that's not what we see Jesus do. And this group was trying to trap Jesus. That was their goal. They wanted to make sure that he misstepped. They did not care at all about this woman. They weren't bringing her forward to go, Jesus, what do we do with her in her condition and in her sin? No, instead, they condemn the sinner. This is what religion does. Religion condemns the sinner. Uh, they had already made up their mind that she was guilty. They had already made up her mind that she was shameful. They had already made up her mind that she was the one that was majorly in the wrong, and yet they were using her as a pawn and in their plot to trick Jesus. What do you mean? Well, because well, if Jesus uh, were to say that they should stone her, that would go against the Roman government because nobody was allowed in the Roman government to bring out capital punishment except the Roman government. So if he were to say, yes, obey the law of Moses, then 
then he would have been trapped by the Roman government. The Roman government would have arrested him. But if he says, no, don't obey the law of Moses, then the Jewish leaders would have his head because, because he was going against Moses. So he was in a trap. And it says, interestingly enough, as they're talking about the law of Moses, Jesus bent down to the ground. And the only time we see this mention of Jesus, he starts writing in the ground. What's he writing? Well, here's what we know. We know other times in scripture, when there's the writing of God, we see the 10 commandments or the law of Moses. And this is the very question they ask him, where God writes the law on the tablets of stone. So I don't know what Jesus was writing on the ground. Maybe he was writing the 10 commandments on the ground. Maybe he was writing the personal sins of those that are surrounded. But here's what we know. They were trying to trap him. They're trying to trick him. But Jesus is smarter than them. We know this. We know that Jesus had a different way. And he is not gonna selectively ignore sin nor just condemn the sinner outright because we know that selectively ignoring sin and condemning the sinner leads to hypocrisy. The result is hypocrisy. That's why lots of people don't like religion because they see the religious folks say, this is what I say, but this is what I do. It's all right. It's, this sin's really bad, but don't you lie. Or it's okay to lie as long as you're getting ahead. It's okay to, um, to, to do anything to succeed. That's fine, but don't do this other thing. And people see that and they go, no way, that's hypocrisy. And we don't even need to look at the story. We can look to our own experience to discover how the world deals with sin and sinners and what the result is. How the world that we're involved in, it normalizes sin. That's what the world does. The, sin, the world around us, it normalizes sin. It says, you know what? We're gonna take greed and we're gonna lift it up as success and materialism and you can do anything as long as you're trying to achieve. We'll dress it up with other terms that make it not sound so sinful, not so bad, but you can throw people under the bus as long as you're trying to get the prize. And, and we, 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 we know that once you normalize sin, and make greed normal, make selfishness something that's celebrated, like uh, our selfie culture that we live in, that, that there's self-absorption, it's all about me. And that's normal. It's just normal for it to be all about you. It's normal to be con concerned with just your life and not everybody else's. It's, that becomes normal. Then when it becomes normal, it becomes law in societies. And once that happens, sinners are celebrated. When sin is normalized, sinners are celebrated. We've seen this. Sin was normalized back in our, our early history within uh, racism was was a part of the normalization of sin. And we know that that's not something we're proud of. Matter of fact, many societies throughout all of history has normalized that. And that is, that is not what God wants. And that becomes, it leads to the celebration. When you start normalizing the sin, it begins, you begin to celebrate the sin. This is, this is what happens within our culture when uh, uh, there's the, uh, in June, we have the Pride Month, right? Pride Month is a celebration of sin. We spend an entire month celebrating sin. Now, if you're a dad, you get like one day. Thanks for paying for college, you get a day. Mom, you gave birth for 12 hours, you know? Like you were in labor and you, you stayed up late nights and all that, you get a day. But if you identify with sin, you get an entire month to be celebrated. 
In the world that we live in, outside of Jesus, outside of God, when sin is normalized, sinners are celebrated, and the result is hedonism. What's hedonism? Here's what hedonism is. It's the pursuit of pleasure and self-indulgence. The result is no boundaries. I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever feels good. And we know that that sounds good in the moment, but it doesn't work. Imagine for a moment playing basketball with no court, with no boundaries. Imagine playing football and there's 11 people on the field and somebody on the bench pops up and says, hey, I'm gonna go for a long one. And they just go, number, number 12 is out there. Hi, I'm open. They, he catches it, touchdown. And the referee says, no, 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 no. I felt like I wanted to be out here. Like I had a touchdown in me and I should be able to play. Why wouldn't you let me play? Well, here's the rules. No, there's no rules because I feel this way, right? See, when feelings lead us, when emotions lead us, when sin is normalized, then its sinners are celebrated. It leads to hedonism, meaning this is everybody doing what they want and a society unravels. We know it doesn't work. We know it's not good. We know it's not true. And yet, how does Jesus deal with sin and sinners? When we look at this story from John 8, this encounter Jesus has with this woman, look at this. With sin, he condemns the sin, clearly. Verse 11, Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Jesus doesn't play around with sin. The difference between him and religion, he doesn't pick sins that are okay and other ones that are not okay. All sin is a problem for Jesus. The white lie at work is a problem for Jesus. The little cheat at school is a problem for Jesus. The big sin that everybody knows about and points to, that's a problem for Jesus. Here's what Jesus knows that maybe you don't. Here's what he knows. He knows that sin brings destruction, that sin brings death, and that you weren't created for death and destruction, but you were created to bring him glory. You were pre created to honor him and worship him and to create along with him. You were created as his sons and daughters to walk in the fullness of his destiny. But listen, that is broken by sin. The sin that's in each one of us, the sin that's in the world around us, and only Jesus can restore that. Only Jesus can deal with this sin. Sin must be condemned, all sin. It's got to be dealt with. And Jesus looks at her and says, don't, go, don't, like, sin no more. Clearly, he doesn't coddle her. He doesn't say, well, you know what? You probably had just felt bad that day. You know, you were probably just making the best choice you could. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't coddle the sin. He says, no, that was wrong. Do it no more. But the also, with sinners, we see Jesus acts very differently than religion and very differently than the world. Jesus befriends, forgives, redeems, and sends sinners. He says, look, look at who's there. After Jesus asks the question, who is without sin? He who is without sin casts the first stone. Everybody left. The older people left first. Why? Because they knew they had sin. They had more wisdom. They knew they were carrying sin. And then everybody left. But here's what I know. None of them grabbed her to take them with her. None of them said, hey, come with me. Let's restore you. Let's figure out what's next for you. After the shame, after the embarrassment, after all that she had been through, they all abandoned her. And the only one standing was Jesus. Jesus is the only one who stands. 
when everyone else walks away. Jesus is the only one. He will befriend you. He will stand with you. He's not okay with your sin. He'll tell you, don't sin anymore. But then he's gonna say, what are we having for breakfast? Why? Because Jesus has restored her purpose. And now this woman who had the darkest moment of her life, the most challenging moment of her life, the most embarrassing, the most helpless, hopeless, now is sent out, says, go, he says. Go and sin no more. Go to your family, go to your friends, talk about the mercy and the grace that you received right here because Jesus is filled with mercy and grace. He comes along with sinners and he says, I've got a purpose for you. He doesn't wipe them out. He doesn't say, ah, I don't have any need for you. I don't like you. No, no, no. Jesus calls them to repentance. He calls them to turn. He calls them to something better. I love this because befriending, forgiving, and redeeming, and sending sinners leads to hope. Everyone say hope. And that's exactly what our world needs more of. What our world needs is not how to cope with the sin around us, not how to embrace it, but how do we condemn the sin, befriend, forgive, redeem, and send sinners into the world with this message of hope. And that's exactly who I am, and it's exactly who you are. We are carriers of hope. Jesus has redeemed me. He saved me. When everyone else would abandon me, Jesus will not abandon me. When everyone else maybe has abandoned you, Jesus never did. And let me just tell you, he has a purpose for your life. And it's to carry the hope that he's given you to the classroom, to carry it onto the campus, to carry it into the workplace, to carry it into your family. And let me just tell you, when that begins to happen, man, God will do an incredible thing in our community and in your family and in your life. It's so easy to be drawn into these other spaces to deal with sin the way the world does. Well, I guess this is just normal. This is just the way the world is now. No. I guess this is just the way business is done. I gotta, I gotta do business the way they, they do business or I'm not gonna survive. No, 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 that's not the way. I guess, I guess I gotta just cheat in school because all my friends are cheating in school. If I don't, I'm gonna be left behind. No, no, no. I guess I gotta use these words and I guess I gotta uh, dishonor my parents and dishonor my authority because everybody else is no, no, no. I, I, I guess it's so easy to be religious about it. Oh, well, you know, religion compares. You're worse than me. And I, I mean, I'm better than you and you're worse than me. I would never do that kind of sin, but you have, so I'm better. I'm higher up on the ladder than you. You're selectively ignoring sin, not realizing that God hates all sin, even ours. Amen? It's so easy to jump in those places. But Jesus provides a different way. And because of Jesus, you and I, get to carry hope. And I wanna encourage you, if you're a student today, so we pray over you here in a minute, you are carriers of hope wherever you go and whatever you do. Because Jesus has grace and mercy that he gives each of us. And all we are, are sinners in need of grace that are now saved. And we are set on a different trajectory. We are righteous because of who we are in Jesus Christ. Amen? So here's what I wanna do with that in mind. I wanna pray over those of us that are going back into the school world where there's challenges and difficulties for sure, but there's gonna be hope and there's gonna be hope because you're there, amen?